Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Is vast, uh, fast, and it's a vast difference in this in January. <laughs> it's been very quick. And guess what? It's going to get quicker. So hang in there and know that June is just around the corner. So if you've had a tough May, you got the hope that June's going to be better. Amen? It's going to be it's summertime. Thank the Lord for that. Uh, these beautiful nights. I wanted to sit out there last night. It was so pretty. I could have sat outside all night last night. I just can't stay up late enough to, to try to do it. Amen? <laughs> Yes, you night owls enjoy that, but I trust me, morning's my domain. If you have your Bibles tonight, I'm going to share with you something out of 1 Kings chapter 13. We've looked at this before, and God laid this on my heart, uh, probably a totally different message because each one is different, give what God lays on my heart, but verses 11 through 24 is going to reiterate something that God laid on my heart concerning, especially culturally with what truth says, what we know solid truth is, foundational biblical truth on everything from family to personal definition, right? Personal definition, God made him, God made her. God, uh, God ain't making no it, right? God makes hims and hers. And uh, sorry if you don't like that and it's offensive to you. Uh, that door is uh, wide open and you feel free to walk out because we can't compromise God's word. And you either want to get in line with God's word and truth or it's better to stay away because the more truth you, be, you hear, you can become immune. When you're immune to something, what does that mean? You hear it, but it no longer penetrates your heart. That's why it's very dangerous when you're in a prodigal state, you're running from God and you don't want anything to do with truth. You know what the danger is when you sit and hear verse by verse teaching of God's word, week in, week out, month in and month out. Do you know what the danger is? The Bible says the deceitfulness of sin will do what? Harden your heart. Imagine when your ears no longer hear that truth, it no longer stirs the heart, the soul. Huh? It's a scary, scary phenomenon. The Bible says better not to know than to know the way of righteousness and turn your back on the sacred command that was passed down to you. But tonight, kind of is in line with that, goes in line with our culture in churches and quote-unquote professed believers, now knowing what truth was growing up, but see our culture saying, well, wait a minute, we love them, we love that, they want to do this, they want to do that, and it's not a problem because, you know, you know they're good people, and you know God loves them, so what's happening now? They're making these 180-degree turns away from truth and basically following hedonism, if you know what hedonism is. Whatever goes, it's no big deal, it's all going to work out, and you know, hey, we're not supposed to judge each other. What does a judge do? Passes sentence. You can't go up to someone and say, you're going to hell. You got it. We're not a judge. Amen? But you can go up to someone that you love, that you care about, and you care about them knowing what truth is and say, hey, I'm concerned for you because the actions and the life that you're living is outside of what God's plan and what God says will bring the blessing of knowing him, living for him, walking with him, and I'm concerned for you, and I want you to know I love you, and I want to help you any way I can. Don't judge me. 
When they say that right there, guess what? They're already so conscience-stricken. They're doing what they want to do. They want your affirmation and in any way do not want any accountability. Sometimes you can get good situations where people will turn. They'll recognize that. God uses that. But I'm going to be honest with you. What I've seen in the last 16 years, in most of those cases, those people are going to do what they want to do. And the best thing you and I can do when they come to that place where they tell you to take a flying leap is you just step back, shake the dust off your feet as we looked, we looked at, what, three months ago with that scripture and those number of messages about that. And you relegate them to prayer. God is awesome. God's powerful. But when God lays biblical truth, when you know biblical truth, or God has led you, God opened up a door beyond a shadow of a doubt. You know what God has had you to do. And then someone comes along and says, hey, uh, I've been praying about this, and God's told me to tell you this. Don't listen. Be very careful. Because if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt what God wants you to do, it's in line with Scripture, you've prayed about it, you've been in God's Word, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we're going to see tonight what happens when someone who professes to have heard from God not only muddies the water, but we're going to see a person tonight who loses their life as a result of it. I hope you found 1 Kings chapter 13, verses 11 through 24 again, uh, in message titled, Only God. And if you're able physically, let's stand tonight out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> now a certain old prophet was living in Bethel. His son came and told him all the deeds that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. His sons also told their father that the words that he had spoken to the king. Then their father asked them, which way did he go? His sons had seen the way that he had taken by the man of God who had come from Judah. Then he said to his son, saddle the donkey for me. They saddled the donkey for him, and he got on it. He followed the man of God and found him sitting under an oak tree, and he asked him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? I am, he said. Then he said to him, come home with me and eat some food. But he answered, I cannot go back with you or accompany you. I will not eat food or drink water with you in this place. For a message came to me by the word of the Lord, you must not eat or drink food or water here or go back by the way that you came. He said to him, I am also a prophet, and like you, an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord. Bring him back with you to your house, so that he may eat food and drink water. The old prophet deceived him, and the man of God went back with him, ate food in his house, and drank water. While they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. The prophet cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah. This is what the Lord says. Because you rebelled against the Lord's command, did not keep the command, and the Lord your God commanded you. But you went back, ate food, drank water in the place that he said to you, Do not eat food, do not drink water. Your corpse will never reach the grave of your fathers. So after he eaten food and after he had drank, the old prophet saddled the donkey for the prophet he had brought, had brought back. When he left, a lion attacked him along the road and killed him. His corpse was thrown out on the road. The donkey was standing beside it. The lion was standing beside the corpse too. Father, thank you, Lord, tonight again for truth. Lord, help us understand how important it is to believe what you lay on our hearts, Lord, what you lead us to do, Father, and not listen to the deceptive words of the enemy as he masquerades an angel of light. God, give us a steadfast allegiance, Lord, to truth. Lord, let us not in any way compromise that incrementally, Lord, or in massive ways. But God, may you be glorified. Speak to our hearts. We give your Holy Spirit full and free reign to do what only you can do. And we ask this in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Maybe seated. Verse 16 and 17 again. But he answered, I can't go back with you or accompany you. I will not eat the food or drink water with you in this place. For a message came to me by the word of the Lord. You must not eat food or drink water there or go back by the way you came. We'll stop there. The first thing I'm going to share with you tonight is this. When God speaks, listen. When God speaks, listen. God speaks to his word. God speaks in so many different ways. God could have someone that God has laid whatever it is that you've been praying about on their heart. But I'm going to tell you what it won't do. It will not contradict God's word. It will not contradict what God has been leading you to do. So when you know definitively that God has led you, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt. And someone who claims to be, you know, quote unquote prophet Someone says, hey, God told me to do this, and it directly defies what, God, what God's leading has done. I'd be very, very careful, because we see that picture right there. And what was this man that told him, oh, no, no, God told me that you can come to my house and eat and drink. He was a liar. He wasn't being truthful. This man knew what God wanted him to do, and he should have listened to God and not listened to that lying spirit, lying prophet. There was nothing. What does the Bible say? Let your what be what and your what be what? Anything other than that is from Satan, the evil one. So that means when God has led you definitively, your yes has been your yes. You have set a course. This man should have known better. But by the way, we all can battle that same problem. Why? Well, you put your problem on Facebook. You've already prayed about it. You've been in God's word, but you just decide to broadcast it to the world. And all of a sudden, your 10,000 greatest best friends start telling you something that's completely contradicted what God has been leading you to do. You know how easy it is to fall victim to those well-meaning friends in the digital sphere? How easy it is to listen to that wisdom that seems, you know, that looks real wise. That looks real smart. And you know what's ironic? Just like the Gibeonites, it looks like a duck, smells like a duck, quacks like a duck. I had got a call from somebody last night. They had a situation that they were dealing with. And they said, hey, I want to deal with this the right way. And this is what the situation is. And I'm struggling because I really like this person. I, I want this person to do this. And I said, hey, wait. After they got done, I said, you know, I understand where you're coming from. And I understand that your friendship desires you to remain in fellowship with someone. And you don't want to allow them to go and do what God wants them to do. I said, but think about what you're doing. You just told me that this person's prayed about this and God has led them to do X. I said, imagine if you're in their ear saying to them, hey, I want you to stay here because you're a benefit, you're a friend, you're my brother in Christ, instead of the mission field, in essence, that God is sending this person on. I said, how can we in any way justify that as biblical? And they said also that this person that they uh, were not wanting to go somewhere had been praying about this and even didn't want to go themselves, but they knew God wants them to go. I said, brother, you dare don't want to stand in the way of that. Because what you're in essence doing then is turning yourself into one of those lying prophets. Hey, I want you to go because there's so much more benefit you can do here. Well, no, the best benefit in the world is where God places us. 
Because you can be put in an arena of 25,000 people. If that's where God wants you to be, God is going to bless it exponentially as you yield yourself to his purpose and plan. But I promise you, if you walk out of the place that God desires you, ministering to one person and into an arena of 20,000 people that God never intended you to go to, it will be an epic disaster of proportions not seen in your lifetime. Why? Not God's will equals mess. How many times? How often? Always. It never comes out good. It can't. If it comes out good and it's blessed, it is from the enemy. Because God does not change his mind. And if you commit to something, don't dare back out of it. Meaning, if you said, hey, I'm going to help in Bible school this year. God's led me to do that. And all year long, you're, you're headed to Bible school. And then, you know what? Oh, they're having a motorcycle rally over here. You know, your best friend's having a party that day. And they have the best get-togethers of the summer. And, oh, sorry, I, 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 hey, I forgot I had myself previously committed. You know what you've just done? You bought the enemy fly, hook, line, and sinker. Now, something physical comes up, that's a whole different ballgame. You have a family emergency or true, true emergency, not, you know, my grandmother needs to go to the grocery store right now. No, a real emergency, right, of, of those type of things that we can't help. Someone's been in an accident, someone's deathly sick, someone's put in the hospital. That's a totally different ballgame. We understand that. God understands that. Amen? They can wait, right? No, just kidding. Those family things are really important. Emergency things are very important, but... Don't make up lame excuses to get yourself out of a commitment you made to God. I hope, by the way, if you make any commitments here at Longview Baptist Church, you're not doing them for me or you're not doing them for the church because it's not about us. It's about you living your life as God commands you to as a living sacrifice. Sacrifices hurt and they cost you. If it doesn't hurt and it doesn't cost you, it's not a sacrifice. and You might need to reevaluate what you're doing for the kingdom work. Because the kingdom work is going to hurt. It's going to cost you. It's going to be painful. And it's not going to be fun a lot of times. Because how many times has anybody in here sacrificed something to the Lord that it didn't cost them something? Right. It's painful at times. But that's truth. And that's part of being in God's plan. It's part of us recognizing the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. It's... The, the reiteration of God's leading as we see in this story right here. God led this man of God. God led this prophet. This prophet had all the knowledge in the world. In the beginning, he says exactly what he should. God told me not to do it. I'm not going to do it. The word of the Lord, angel of the Lord told me. I'm not supposed to eat. Not supposed to go back the same way I came. I'm not doing anything. No food, no drink. This guy comes, hey God, hey, angel of the Lord came to me after you told me to do something different. God's changed his mind. God's changed, right? Same way with their culture. God's changed his mind. God's not like that anymore. God's changed. Well, we don't see the first indication right here of a deception is what we know in the character of God himself. And this is why you can't ever say, well, maybe God, maybe God decided. You better watch it. What do we know about God's character? It never changed. He never changes. God doesn't change. So when God leads us, if God was decide to, now God can lead us here and then take us, and maybe God wants to take us through the byway and the hedges. That'll be God's doing though. It's not going to be because some lion prophet 
with a lion spirit and lion tongue came up to you because they wanted to do whatever for whatever reason. No, it's going to be of God if God does it. And by the way, there will be no confusion in it. What is God? Not a God of confusion, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Only God, as the title tonight is, only God is going to redirect our course, our trajectory, and it's not going to be with confusion. It's going to be of a sound mind. It's going to be of order because God is a God of order. Isn't that an awesome thing, by the way? It's so nice that God's not going to contradict himself because could you imagine if God was to contradict his leadership in our life, the disastrous, the, the nightmares that our life would be because we're headed one direction. God says, oh, no, no, go this way now. God can do that, but it's going to be in order. It's not going to have fear. It's not going to have all of these elements attached to it that you can always smell when the enemy's involved in something. And then listen to verse 18 and 19. And he says to him, hey, I'm also a prophet like you. An angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord. Bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat food and drink water. The old prophet deceived him. The man of God went back with him, ate food in the house, and drank water. Second thing I want to share with you tonight is this. Never let God's path be swayed from, strayed from, put it however you want to. When God leads you to do something, stay the course. Stay the course. You want to fall out of following Christ right now? You're a follower of Christ, but maybe it's just become monotonous. You know, redundant. And maybe you just need a time to refresh, you know, to sit. Uh, no. By the way, why do we know that's not good? Hebrews 10.25, don't forsake the assembling. So we have a mandate not to forsake the assembling. So if you need to do a spiritual uh, renewal or revival, how about doing it during the week? How about getting in God's word, getting on your face before God, but not convincing yourself that doing something that's directly contradictory to Scripture is where you're going to find the respite in. Does that make sense? Don't break fellowship and think in doing so you're going to restore the joy of your salvation in doing so. No, what you'll do is become more complacent, more apathetic. You will watch your incremental compromises mount to bigger and bigger and bigger messes that will then end up in an epic, meaning a magnificently huge mess that you don't, some, so many times it becomes so bad that you don't know how to get out of it. The messes become so bad there's so much shame involved, there's so much guilt involved that people continue sometimes to go down that same road not knowing how to get out of the mess that they've created. But if you not let yourself be swayed from the path, if you will not let yourself be redirected, remember, squatting on the brain, pray without ceasing, prevents that from happening. When you will build the rampart spiritually by God's word, the spiritual armor, we have all these promises of God that do what? Prevent each and every one of these roadblocks. Now, the attacks may still come, but the armor of God promises that we will extinguish what? All the flaming arrows of the enemy. It's not, it doesn't even say some. It doesn't say, it says all of them. So if we stay the path, if we're not, not swayed by deception, if we're armored up, if we're in God's word with that, in that respect, but then also we're prayed, we are on our face, on our knees before the Lord, praying without ceasing, we're not yielding mental energy to the enemy, what are we assured? Complete victory. Does that mean that we'll never go through trials or tribulate? No, not at all. We are going to. As a matter of fact, Scripture promises that. 
Consider it pure joy when you. It doesn't say if you or uh, if you possibly do. It says when you. So that is the assurance that we will go through those times of trial, those times of tribulation, those times of testing. Is it fun? No, it's not fun. It's not exciting. It doesn't give you the warm and fuzzies, but that is what it means to be a follower of Christ. So being a follower of Christ, what should we expect? We should expect what God's word says. So believe for a moment when you start to come under the uh, persecution, when you start to fall under trials, when you start to endure tribulations, and then to go, oh God, why me? What have I done? How many people have done that? Yeah. God, why would you do that? There's only two people in here, me and, and our dear sister over there that was willing to raise her hand. The rest of you guys haven't had that happen. You have never done that. But maybe one of these days you'll do that, and then you'll be able to raise your hand and go, yeah, I know what it's like. Uh, <clears throat> amen. Oh, me. Praise the Lord. Thanks for being honest over there. It's hard. It is. In a group like this, we want to think, well, I don't have those kind of problems. We all do. We all struggle. We all battle. And what's really good is as we're honest with each other, you know what happens? The other person next to you can go, you know what? They've battled that too. That's, that's a normal thing to have the battles, and you can start being more honest with each other. And when you do that, you start having extremely authentic relationships because you start getting victory over areas that we have tended to want to keep quiet in because you think that the world's going to reject you if you have a battle with faith or you have a battle with fear. And if you say that, oh, it's going to be terrible. No, they're actually going to go, oh, I struggle with that some too. Hey, how about we start targeting that with our prayer? How about we get a group of us that are battling with this same thing, and maybe we can get a brother or sister who's gotten dominion over this battle, and we're going to start praying together. What does that do? That helps you stay on that path and not be swayed. It helps you recognize that we're only, we're, we're made of the, the dust of Adam, right? The dust, the flesh, and we're going to return to dust one day. Apart from Jesus Christ's return, <clears throat> whenever that comes, <clears throat> I'm ready for it, but we're going to just pretend like it won't come for a thousand years. Then in the meantime, we're just going to prepare for it. And we're going to prepare for it. We're going to be faithful. And we're going to be ready one day for a deathbed experience. And we're going to be ready so much that if we don't have the privilege of having one of those, and we're on the road like Pastor Reed, a reader last week, who, what, a week ago tonight or tomorrow, ran into the back end of, of a dump truck on the way back from a pastor's conference. And he went to be in glory, went to glory. And praise God, it might be that way that we go. We don't get to choose that. As much as we all would love to have that nice dying in your sleep at 140 years old, right? That's what your, our impersonal thoughts are. We're not going to tell anybody that, but you know that's the truth. Everybody wants to die in their sleep one day, don't they? That just sounds like the best way in the world to go out of here. Anybody in here go, you know, I would just love to drown or maybe get uh, burned in a fire or something like that or maybe a car accident where I'm trapped in it and then slowly burn. Anybody enjoy something like that? Oh, exactly. See, nobody signs up for that. We don't know, though, how we're going to go one day, do we? That's why I want to encourage you to be ready. You do not want to be in any one of those situations that I just told you about, because let me just tell you what happens to the human condition when that does. You are well aware you're getting ready to die. You know it. And guess what? Imagine being in that position, not ready. Lord, let's talk. Don't have time. God knows your heart. He knows where you've been. He knows if you go, uh-oh, I need fire insurance. You think, yeah, right, he's going to really listen to you because all of a sudden you've decided you want fire insurance. Deal with the scripture on that, by the way. Deal with it now, though, first of all. Deal with these things now because as we day in, day out, 
yielding ourselves, yielding our wants, our wills, and our desires to the Lord, praying without ceasing, armoring up, digging those ramparts around our hearts, our lives, our families, focusing on Colossians chapter three, what? If we've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, setting your affections on things above, not on the things of the earth. You've got an eternal mindset and perspective versus the carnal temporal one, which is basically serving the fleeting desires of the flesh with no concern for anything of the spirit and the things of the Lord. Then verses 20 through 24, and we'll uh, finish up. While they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. The prophet cries out to the man of God who had come from Judah. This is what the Lord says. Because you rebelled against the Lord's command, did not keep the command the Lord your God commanded you, that you went back, ate food, drank water in the place that he said to you, do not eat food, do not drink water. Your corpse will never reach the grave of your father. So after he'd eaten and after he drank, the old prophet saddled the donkey for the prophet he had brought back. When he left, a lion attacked him along the way and killed him. His corpse was thrown to the road. The donkey was standing beside it. The lion was standing beside the corpse too. Third and final thing I want to share with you tonight is this. Yes is yes, no is no. Anything other than that is from Satan. By the way, that's Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. It's just kind of a paraphrase of 537. That's the Bible. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Anything other than that is from the enemy. Don't forget that. That prophet knew what God had told him to do. It's hard to understand. I guess maybe he was a trusting kind of person. It doesn't matter. He violated what God had told him to do by not staying free from eating, free from drinking, and he should have left the way, not the way he came in. Tonight, each and every one of us are going to face these situations, conversations. We're going to face a greater battle with absolute moral truth that is based in the absolute moral standard of God's Word. We can choose to compromise and because why well we like this person you know we we've always gotten along with them and it's my this or my son my daughter my husband my wife my friend and you know they're wanting to do this and i love them and i know they're a good person and they've got a good heart do you hear what you're saying when you say that when you say they're a good person they have a good heart i i don't i don't know where you're where we're reaching in to make these statements do you know what the bible says there is no one righteous, no, not one. So you might have some carnal or characteristics or human traits about someone that you may appreciate, but I want to tell you one thing. There is nothing good about man. Everything about us is broken, depraved, and apart from the Holy Spirit of God, everything has motives that are completely selfish and self-centered apart from the Lord because we are selfish people by nature. And the only thing in that changes that is when we've been crucified with Christ, we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. So when we want to say they're a really good person, say, you know, God has transformed them. You can do it in that perspective because we're giving God the power and the glory for the work that God's done. God has made them. But my, my question is, can a person who is a truly professed follower of Jesus Christ yielded to his plans and purposes live in an unrepentant, sinful lifestyle in complete and utter rebellion with God and be it anything other than enmity with God? No. 
It's not what I say. It's what God's Word says. We cannot live in a continual, persistent state of unrepentant sin and experience anything other than the judgment of God. We cannot stand in God's presence one day having said to Him, I will do what I want to do. I will live how I want to live, God. You are going to save me. Your son's blood will cover me. And you're going to like it. Because that's what it is when you do that. I don't care how much you love the person. I've known some really nice people that were living in lifestyles in F respect that were completely 100% category anti-Christ. They were everything that was anti-God, truth, and righteousness. And in no way can I ever put my stamp of approval and my affirmation on that church. I can't do it. I don't care how much we want to say they're such a good person. Deception is deception. And either we're going to live on the side of truth or we're going to live a lie. We're going to live a compromised existence and you will ultimately find that the reward for that is no reward at all. There's nothing about us living in disobedience and in rebellion that brings anything other than great amounts of heartache, hurt, and pain. Doesn't matter if the world's sitting back going, you know the old church model, that was just for, you know, the way the government, people say, you know, it's the way the government tried to control the people is by having religion and religion. Church, what do I say again? If God is not powerful and God can't give us his word, the untainted word of God, and it doesn't have anything to do with cultural control, if anything... This was no way to culturally control people because what does it do? It takes the control out of the culture. The Bible takes all of the control of who we live for and serve and gives it to God alone and tells us if that government asks us to do anything that is contradictory to his word that that gives us full authority to rebel against that. You think that's the way the government would want us controlled? No, they want us completely yielded to whatever they say. It doesn't matter how insane it might be as we saw just a couple of years ago. All you've got to do is just do it. We're going to tell you what's best for you. We're going to spend your money how best we feel fit. And you're going to like it. Amen? $237,000 per American right now. National debt. I don't know if you know that. You might know that? Now you know it. $237,000 per person is what the national debt. That's your share and my share. That's what they just said today. By the way, do you think that kind of debt comes because you've been honoring, glorifying, and living the truth? It doesn't, does it? Isn't it interesting how there's such a battle and struggle to find leadership now in this nation and even people who run who are competent to run? Interesting how such a hard time finding someone. Wonder why. Does anybody know? It's part of what? Judgment. You know that? One of the greatest ways you can tell when a nation is under judgment is there is an inability to find decent leadership. Crickets. It's scary, isn't it? You better lead in your home the way God's called you to lead because leadership is imperative. What does leadership mean? You're not caring about whether people like you, will respect you because you do the right thing. You do what God's called you to do. Is it going to put you at time at odds with people when you are a true godly leader? Absolutely. Why? Because what has been, been the, the battle of mankind since the very beginning 
I want to do what I want to do, and no one's going to tell me what to do. Think about our nation right now. What do we see week in and week out? I don't watch it anymore, so I don't have to see them anymore. Oh, someone's had got on the side of the road, got in a fight with a policeman. Why? Because they pulled him over. They were speeding, but all of a sudden they pulled him over because they said this and that and the other. And there's no way anymore that people pull you over because you're speeding, right? No, yeah, they did pull you over because you're speeding. How'd you make it into a whole nother completely opposite thing that you're saying they pulled you over for? If you're speeding, you got pulled over for speeding. Tonight, are you following the Lord? If you are not, and you wonder why there's adversity and there's trials and tribulations, but you're sitting there going, I don't know why in the world I'm going through all of this. I haven't done anything. If you have unrepentant sin in your life, the, the consequence of that is what? Pain. That's not trials and tribulations. That's called consequences. Trials and tribulations happen when you are in obedience, doing what God wants you to do, living as God's called you to live, you have a big bullseye on your back and the enemy says, I want him, her down. I do not want them as an effective tool. I want them muted. I want them so overwhelmed with their life that they can't even think straight so they'll never be able to be a reflection of God's glory to anybody or have an ability to be a lighthouse and a beacon of hope anywhere. Same deception we see in this story. Knew what God wanted him to do but allowed a lying prophet sent by the enemy. The enemy's lies, what does the enemy's lies do? Always contradicts truth. When God leads you, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt it's in line with God's word, you've prayed about it, wise counsels come to you and you know exactly the trajectory to be on. I want you to be praying tonight as we go forward and praying day in and day out, God, do not let me be deceived. God, do not let my life be taken off track by a trap, by nothing more than a mirage that the enemy wants me to believe is truth. God, give me the ability, Lord, to stand firm in steadfast, solid, unadulterated truth. Lord, let me be hedged with your protective angels, my property, my family, my mind, my heart, my decisions. God, let my checking account, let my finances, Lord, let my mental energy, let my school, home, workplace. God, let it literally be an act of service and sacrifice to you everything. Lord, let me be quick to listen to you, slow to speak, be faithful in, in committing myself to reading of your word, to committed to serious prayer time with you as I cast all my cares on you, Lord, for your the yoke is easy, your burden's light. Those are the things that we do that prevent us from deception. We see deception quicker when we're yielded to him, when you're in the word, when you are faithfully buckled down, when there's no real estate for sale or, or for rent up here, guess what happens? You immediately notice deception when it comes your way. You literally notice it faster than anything in your life because you're so in tune to the father, to the shepherd. You hear his voice, you know his leading, and you know when a voice that is not of the shepherd, you know what that scripture, right? My sheep hear my voice and they know me. What do they also know? One that is not the shepherd. He should have immediately said, that's not from the Lord. I rebuke you. And I rebuke the statement you have. I know what God said. Sayonara, friend. But he didn't. And it cost him his life. Number one again, when God speaks, Listen.
listen when God speaks. Is it always going to be an audible voice that you're going to hear? No. God speaks to his word to me plainer than an audible voice ever could be. God speaks through truth greater than anything in the world you'll ever have. Better than any sign, any interstate flashing LED sign, God's word will speak louder, clearer than that could ever. Second one again, never let uh, God's path be swayed from. Do not from the left to the right let your yes be yes, your no be no. If you're committed to the plans and purposes of God, if you commit to doing something, do it. By the way, commit to doing things for the kingdom work. It is important and it takes everybody. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't encourage anybody to send that text with the nursery, so that wasn't even something I... It was somebody that God had laid on their heart to send that last week, sharing how they were about to stop coming to services because they were having to go back with their child in the nursery uh, on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. But somebody one night volunteered to do that, and because of that, they are still here today because somebody saw that it was important for that parent. Imagine this, church. What if a parent comes with a child and sits with their child in a nursery? Should they have even come? Think about it. When we went to visit a church one time, I said, hey, can we take the kids to the nursery? Come to find out there's no one there. So I sat in the nursery with my children for the service. The one time a year or two at most that I go and I'm able to sit in another church, I sat in that nursery with my children extremely discouraged that I had no ability to go and worship because no one at that church saw that ministry as important enough to fill it. Thankfully, because of a conversation after we went that day, it's been staffed since then. But it, I said, if I was coming to visit this church, I would have never come back again because you showed me that my children were not important to this body. These ministries at this church, church, you might say, well, you know, I'm just too busy. I don't like kids. I don't this, and I can't get up in the morning. You can get up for work in the morning. Don't get me started. <laughs> I want to see your time clock. If you can't show up for the body of Christ, I want to see your time clock for work. And if they're allowing you to perpetually be late, shame on you first and then them. If you can get up and you can go to work, but you can't come for the fellowship of the body of, of Christ and be on time, I would pray that you would look at your actions and step back and say, God, am I giving you my best? Am I? Because you might think it was not a big deal. It actually is. Because I will tell you something, your commitment level shows each child in these pews right here, your passion shows each person in this building right now where your heart is. If kids see that when you come here, you take this flippantly and it's like no big deal, you know what the tendency for those kids is going to be one day? To see that as the standard with which they should have a passion and a desire to serve Christ. Who in your lifetime had passion that you knew growing up? I know most likely most of you here had people in your life that were very passionate about the Lord and loving the Lord. You don't have to put that on. I would hope tonight that if you're here, you'd have a passion and you're thankful for God and what he's done for you and what he's offering you through salvation. And it should be a reason to smile, amen? If not, we need to talk about something because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
and the joy of the Lord and should some way affect your what? Countenance. What is countenance? It's this. It's exciting to know Christ. It's exciting to be part of the fellowship of believers. Is there down days? Absolutely. Is there days when you're going to just really struggle? Yep. And those others that are smiling and rejoicing because they're riding a mountaintop, that are living the joy of their salvation, can rally around you, put their arms under you, and help hold you up. But we have to have these people in us living in the joy of the Lord. We've got to remember that we are giving a sacrifice of worship, even in this right now as a sacrifice. All of us are sacrificing time. Would you show up to your workplace? Sacrificing your time? Would you show up late? Do you think if the, the, the owner of your company was there, you'd show up late? Well, no, I wouldn't do that. They might get fired. Who do you think's here every time you walk in the door? It's not me. I'm talking about the one that matters. It's God. He knows our hearts. Are we giving our first fruits? Are we giving God our best? Are you giving God the rejoice? We can all sit around and complain and moan and mumble. They had a, a, a meeting at work yesterday. Got some people grumbling and things. And they were grumbling and carrying on, and I kind of heard some of that, and evidently it made it back to somebody. Somebody heard it, and she was confronting that. Then she started confronting the smiling, and I didn't like this because I'm probably going to be hated now, but she said, y'all need to have some of what Mr. Osterhouse back, has back there because he's smiling, he has some joy, and y'all should do the same. But I was thankful because that said a lot to me. I want people to see the difference in me. I want people to one day be able to say, hey, what's different about you? There's something about you different. What's different? There should be some joy sometime, amen? We should hopefully allow that to leak out some who can give you the ability, tonight's message title, only God, only listen to him, only God can do that. And tonight, are you at the place where you're ready for the only God of creation to take control of what you know tonight you don't have control of? Maybe you don't have control tonight of your attitude and it needs to be gotten under control. And you realize tonight that, man, God, I realize that my attitude, I realize that I haven't been given you all, Lord, in this fellowship of believers. And here you've given me this incredible group of people that you've blessed us at this time in history to worship and impact the kingdom here. And the kingdom work that God has blessed us with being a part of and the kingdom work at your workplace and the kingdom work at your school and the kingdom work at all these different places God puts us. You maybe realize tonight you haven't given God your best. You might be thinking, you know, you started praying for that, this prodigal over here. We've had these prayer people meeting together, praying for these prodigal children, these people that God's laid on your heart to come to faith in Christ. Imagine, if you don't have any passion about your walk with Christ, is anybody even going to see Christ in your life in the first place? Maybe tonight you need to start here or here and say, God, I need the joy of the Lord to resonate and emanate in everything that I am. And God, you know it's not my personality, and I'm not like that, but I want to live the joy of the Lord. I want the world to see Jesus Christ lived out in my life. God, I want to literally be such a beacon of hope that I don't ever have to say one word. You'll have people come to me, Lord, because they see the difference in who I am. I know God will honor that prayer. Why? Because it's in line with his word. God's desire is that none should perish. He desires us to be lighthouses set apart. What does the Lord talk about? A lamp. You're not going to hide it, are you? You're going to raise it up. You're going to put it up on a, on a nightstand. You're going to put it up on a dresser. That tells me the light of Christ has to be placed where the world's going to see it. But we also, 
will deflect it if we're not careful. I pray tonight, though, that you're listening to God, His Word. When the truth of God permeates a situation, you know where to go. Don't listen to those lying spirits, and they can come in so many different forms. Be very careful what you look at online and listen to, especially in social media circles. The people who are affirming attitudes or actions that you have are saying, hey, I understand, because it's real easy to surround yourself with people that tell you want to hear what you want to hear. But this is what I've learned. I want people to tell me what I need to hear and not what I want to hear because growth doesn't come from what we want to hear. Growth comes from what we need to hear. And just like tonight's message, it speaks to those issues that we don't want to hear about, but they're the most important issues that grow us, they cultivate us, and as God's preparing us for these ministry opportunities, he will greater prepare us and send us out and allow things to be done we could never imagine done just by allowing him preeminence in everything. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life, first, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a savior and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.